And I think, I think it's right. I believe that Jesus walked on this earth empowered not by his own access to deity, but by access to the Father through the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus wanted to show us what it looked like to live on this earth in this fallen place in complete union with the Father. And Jesus says, everything I've done, you can do even greater things. He says that. How can that be? Because we have access to the same thing that Jesus had access to. Jesus is not able to hear from the Father because he's God. He's able to hear from the Father because he's a submitted and surrendered human being. And that's one of the themes that God gave us for this year. One of the themes, and I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit, is he gave us this theme of obedience and surrender and yielding to the Father by means of the Holy Spirit into the person of Jesus Christ. That's how Jesus lived. There's another place in John 5, uh, 19. It says, Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath. You know, all the things that they condemned him for. Healing people, eating, kind of things that we wouldn't worry about, but they were a big deal back then to the Jewish leaders. And the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. And in his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. So he's kind of commenting, it's the Sabbath, but God's still working. If my father's working on the Sabbath, then I'm going to work on the Sabbath. For this reason, they tried to kill him all the more. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father and making himself equal to God. Yeah, he was. He really was. They didn't get it wrong. And Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, verily, verily, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. Now, fellow sons and daughters of God, what do we do? We look to the Lord. We say, God, what are you doing? Where are you at work? In what ways are you active? And God, may I join with you. You know, so often, and I've, ex- I've been in the church my whole life. As many of you know, my dad's a pastor. I've kind of been in some of those circles. I've been in the room where it happens before I was old enough to know it was happening. Right? And I've seen so many times moments like the ones we face now where we're just saying, hey, let's plan. And it goes something like this. What seems like it would be a good idea to do, then let's talk about it, let's write it down, and then let's ask God to join it. And at first blush, that sounds like a really good idea. By all means, if you're doing something, you want God to join it. But what if we said instead, hey God, what are your really good ideas? How about you talk to us about it We'll write it down and then we'll join you in it. You see? Because he is the head of the body of the church. Then we join him in his labors. And he's only doing what he sees the Father doing. Right? So there is this kind of approach to life that we can have that seems really outdated. Right? Might as well be feeding our communion wafers to chickens, right? 
far as the world's concerned. But where we say, Lord, we want to see you. We want to hear you. Reveal to us and speak to us. And then, Lord, we want to be obedient to what we see and what we hear. We want to say what we hear you saying. We want to do what we see you doing. So that was our goal. That was our goal. So we asked the Lord, Lord, what have you been up to in our midst? And some of this, you know, is just kind of like quieting yourself and listening to the Lord. But there is an element. I mean, when God's at work, there's an outcome, right? So we say, what outcomes are we seeing too? And we shared and wrote these things down. And, um, you know, part of what we noticed is a couple of things. Uh, one, we noticed and we did some of our personal time that, that God has been drawing us into something more. I think a lot of us, I think all of us really who were there, since this, this calling, this invitation into something more, um, greater understanding, greater obedience, greater submission, um, greater uh, emphasis in our own lives on prayer, uh, a greater sense of, of God inviting us into himself, and actually, um, I wonder if there are a couple of you who were there yesterday who'd like to, to share anything about, you know, even what God's been talking to you about and maybe even what came up in our time together. Um, you want to take a first stab at it, Paul? Yeah, why don't you come up and share a little bit? We're going to do some more of this sharing today, but why don't you? Good morning, everybody. Um, I think I first have to start off with a, a, a very sincere thank you. Um, as you know, my dad's been in the hospital. He's in rehab. Uh, the great news is that he's coming home on Friday. They're discharging him, so praise God for that. Uh, <clears throat> but along the lines of what Stephen was saying, what, uh, what God certainly has been revealing to me, among other things, is through my dad... Uh, he had a pretty tough year. He started off uh, in January with a hip replacement. Uh, and then in April, he fell and landed him uh, um, uh, sidelined for a bit. And then in November, he had some heart issues, uh, sent him back to the hospital, and then his fall. And despite that, what I've seen is rather than a growing bitterness of, geez, how can this happen to me? You know, don't you know how much I love you, Lord? I've sensed this growing uh, sweetness and continuing commitment to, uh, just as Pastor Stephen was saying, to yield more of himself, to, uh, to receive more, uh, to be willing uh, to live in humility. And I think that's a bit of a, an example for what I've seen many of you dealing with uh, here this, this past year, that uh, through these difficult seasons that we go through, that it's a choice for us to, to kind of receive this as God's desire to temper us because he's using us. And I don't know if you pay any attention to the news, but this world is not on a great trajectory. Uh, we're heading towards a time when uh, Jesus Christ is coming to conclude all things. And we may be living closer than we think to that time period. And how should we be living during that time? And I find that <clears throat> we as a church have been finding more ways to experience God, uh, to begin to dwell uh, more consistently in his love and in his peace, and as a result, being drawn into a closer commitment and union with him 
that strengthens us. So I encourage all of you that uh, as you go through these challenges uh, that you've gone through this past year and maybe continuing, you know, let God strengthen you. He has mighty purposes for you. Um, you know, as the Bible says, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not guns, knives, but they're mighty for tearing down strongholds, whether it's relational or political or uh, societal. Uh, he is still master and commander. And as we draw close to him, sometimes that has brought us some challenges. But let me tell you, you're going to come out stronger and more in love with Jesus. Thank you. Paul, if you would, hold on a second. Uh, do you mind sharing? We, one of, we did some reflection questions yesterday, and one was, you know, who, is your, who did you want to be like when you were growing up, and who do you want to be like now? Do you remember what you said on the second half of that? Yeah. Would you share that with us? That was beautiful. Uh, sure. Um, <clears throat> So one of the things I'm sure all of you experience as, uh, as born-again Christians, when you're going through challenges, uh, a lot of times it doesn't necessarily bring out the best in you. And you, you kind of get this mirrored reflection of, oh, you know, still after all these years. And one of the things that it reminded me is that I shouldn't be looking inward uh, for some sort of resource of additional patience or what have you. But I should be reflexively looking to Christ who is in me, who is uh, strengthening me, who is providing me what I need. And so this question that we did in one of our exercises was, you know, who, uh, you know, who was a hero of yours growing up? And I blanked. I, 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 had, I had no recollection. That's just my loss of memory, I think. But in terms of uh, who it is going forward, I just, you know, I, I, I don't feel as though I want to be like Jesus because I think any type of imitation of Christ is just, you know, it's doomed to failure because it's done in your own strength. But what I began to see is that what he allows us to do is to have a shared consciousness with him. Uh, and if you let him, he, be, he begins to um, absorb your nature into his own. And you become, uh, it's a big word, but subsumed, which means to be just essentially absorbed into who he is. And you begin to have these uh, responses that are no longer your own, that they're driven and fueled by the God of the universe. And so for me, you know, whether it's dealing with my daily challenges or with my dad who's going to be coming home Friday and looking for answers for, you know, how am I going to do all this? I just want more of Christ. I want more of him because, you know, he's the source. And, you know, I'm learning to understand that you know, we, we have jobs, we work, we save money, we're trying to live better lives, do for our family. But I'm finding, as I go through life, I begin to realize that Jesus Christ is the prize. When you're in him, when you're experiencing him, all the joys of life are there at your disposal. And so I just, uh, he just kind of eclipses, you know, everything that I want, everything uh, who I want to be. And I think uh, it's just, you can't find a better place to experience life. Yeah, thank you, Paul. You know, that sounds kind of heretical. And then I remember that Galatians 2 says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life which, which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith. The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Love it. So beautiful. Ileana, did you want to share? Good morning. Ian, um, so what I want to share is is how the week went, 
because it started really rough for me. You know, first dropping my dad at the airport um, to go back to Puerto Rico. Then I landed on my knees here. And, you know, from there, I've, I've, I've been sick for, for a few weeks. And basically, the, um, the fasting was chosen for me because I couldn't fast any food um, since I was taking medications. Um, so it, it was just between the asthma and trying to find um, a treatment for my lungs. Uh, first, an appointment because everybody has the flu or something, so I, first I couldn't find appointments, so, and then finding a treatment for my lungs to open up and respond, and, and then having, um, finding out I, have a, I had an acute um, sinus infection. So it, it was just, you know, my head was not clear at all. And, and then, you know, you add to that the, the daily things that we have to deal with. And, and, and I'm not the only one. And I'm, I was dealing with the asthma, but I know many of you are dealing with other um, sicknesses, other, you know, Paulie's dealing with what are they going to do with, um, with Tony, how are they going to handle the situation when he comes back home. So um, the level of difficulty is different, yet we find ourselves, all of us, in a certain set of circumstances that we find we cannot deal with. So in my, in my, um, my, my week process, um, um, there was an evening, you know, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't even think. How am I praying? How am I, uh, you know, reading the word and, and doing these things that I really want to be connected through the fasting and, and prayer week? And... Um, and I was reminded, I was reminded that a few months ago I had received a word. Um, like Stephen said, you ask the Lord and he will. He will speak to you. And I had received a word that was not very easy to, to, um, to receive. Because it was prepared to be uncomfortable. And I'm feeling like this and I'm like, why am I remembering this right now? I don't know, but um, I started, you know, um, having pity on myself, which is okay. But I'm blocking myself at that point. I'm, I'm saying, oh, I, can, I cannot deal with this. I have a headache every day for I don't know how long. And I'm feeling like I'm so exhausted because you can't sleep well if you can't breathe well. And um, I'm, forget it. This work is, this week is not going to work for me connecting deeply with the Lord because of the circumstances besides the, um, you know, the physical. I, I was sad. I was going through some stuff, um, a personal, relational. And um, I mean, I'm also working and trying to uh, deal with all of this. And, you know, and, and I've been tired, DC sick. So anyway, I'm thinking to myself, I, I can't do this. I, I really can't. Because of my circumstances, and God is going to understand. And the Holy Spirit responded so quickly to me. It was just like, snap out of it. And, and I could hear uh, clearly, get the direction that the Holy Spirit was taking me. 
redirecting my focus, not on my circumstances, but away from my circumstances, which is where the enemy wanted me to stay, to Jesus. So, it was, um, it was like a moment of, of truth for me, of awakening in, during, you know, that we have here and there. But for me, that moment was like a, like a snap and understanding a, a passage that God has been um, speaking to me for, for over three years now. So, um, you know, just remembering that Jesus, in her circumstances, kept pushing through for the joy that was set before him. And he endured the cross and despised the shame and is now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. So what I clearly heard was that God's heart and power are not limited to my circumstances, to our circumstances. We must push through. And the way of the cross that we face, if we want to get there, is painful and is sacrificial. But it's the way to breakthrough, to freedom, to healing, to a new life through death. And I was gently reminded, it was, it was a gentle reminder, but it was also firm that we must not wait for perfect circumstances to yield to the Lord and press through. And one thing is that, um, that I saw so clearly is the, um, that my perception of perfect is different from God's omniscience. The image that I have painted myself of perfect circumstances is not God's reality and knowledge of perfection. Because you, God uses, he, he speaks to us and, and uh, sustains us through our weaknesses, and he uses them to change us. So um, just a reminder, that the healing, the binding of the brokenhearted, the freedom, the peace, and the blessings come at a cost, which is sacrifice, yielding, and surrendering. And they may not look like what we expected and may not always be a tender or gentle process, but it's okay. It's okay. Because the real blessing is the final product of a life poured out on the altar for their Lord, a life regenerated and sanctified. And I was reminded of, of um, the scripture in 2 Samuel, um, of David um, coming back from a battle and determining his heart, determining in his heart, um, he was getting ready to, to make a sacrifice for the Lord, a burnt offering. And um, I can't remember the name right now. <laughs> But he was offering the field for David at, for free. And David said, no. No, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, with that which has cost me nothing. Through the pain and difficulties, his grace for each moment abounds, and his power is made perfect in us, 
as this family sets our eyes on Jesus and practices trusting, obeying, and resting in God as we press on. And believe me, what we've been hearing and I, I heard yesterday over and over is that God is steering the wheel. He's, he's just pointing us. He's taking us through this. But he's also going, taking us there. And it may not look like what we expected, but we must trust. And, and hold on, just push through and press on, that we may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of us towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, you know, it's good to take time in the year, in our lives, to step back and reflect. Without reflection, there's no growth. You know, if you're not seeing where you've been and seeing what's going on, it's hard to move forward. Um, so we did that. We took time to look back. God, what are you doing? And we noticed a few themes that, were, that came up this year. And let me just pull this up. And we said, you know, Lord, what do these themes mean? And, you know, one of the things that's happened this year that I think has had an impact on a number of us is, is uh, Andrew Murray has made his way, his writings has made, it, made his way through our church. Um, Andrew Murray has written on prayer. He's written on abiding in Christ. He's written on humility. He's written on the Holy Spirit. I'm sure there's more. Probably go to Ed and he'll give you more. Um, that's one of the things that's kind of taken hold this last year in our church. And I'm very grateful for that because God has used that to remind us about some, some things that um, uh, they're not easy to remember in the world we live in. But, uh, you know, I, I was mentioning, you know, in the ancient world, everything's spiritual, everything's religious. But if you don't, don't go back to the ancient world, but just go back a, like 100, 150, 200 years you're in a world that's not super busy and super congested and overcrowded and really loud. You live in a world that's actually kind of quiet and for most of the people on the planet, pretty spacious. And so you find yourself uh, sometimes with no one else to talk to but Jesus. <laughs> you know, and that's a great thing. And I don't know if you guys have seen The Fiddler on the Roof, but... Um, it's been a while, but I remember and just recall and have such delight in all the scenes. Is it Rev Tevia? Is that his name? And he, he's just out with his wagon, just pulling his wagon. And he says, Lord, yo, why is it? You know, da, 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 da. He's just talking to God, like God's right there next to him, on, next to his wagon. And you know what? God is right next to him, next to his wagon. And, uh, you know, he's like, Lord, what do I do with these daughters? What do I do with this? Oh, what do I do about money? What do I do about this neighbor? And he just has these conversations with God. You know, you would look crazy if you walked around your office like that. But you know what? You'd actually end up less crazy if you walked around your office like that. If you walked around life just communing with the Lord. And so, you know, Murray speaks to us from a different time and a different place. But I want to I tell you this. He was writing those things because people weren't doing them then as much as we aren't doing them now. 
It's not like there was this idyllic time when it was super easy to have a really uh, healthy, com- uh, committed relationship to Jesus. And then ho-hum, we live in this new time where it's really hard, so we don't have a chance. No, it was hard then. It's hard now. It's different then, different now. But you have this person who's writing from a place of space and quiet, calling out to us in this day and age to say, look, look, guys, make some space. Make some quiet. The Lord's here. He never went away. You know, that's one of the things. The other thing is that last year, we really felt like God was telling us to focus on the gospel. So we, you know, we had this wonderful sermon series through Romans uh, and then even our Advent series was more gospel-oriented this year than it has been previously, if you noticed. We were talking about grace and the gospel, uh, the cross, and belonging, like these gospel themes right there in the thick of Advent, appropriately so, but usually our focus is a little, little bit different on Advent. This year, we sensed that God was, was calling us to have a focus on discipleship, to be a disciple-making church, to be known as a disciple-making church, Uh, to be looking at things like uh, what it means to be the people of God together in the church, Uh, what it means to be people who who love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbors as themselves. So one of the things that we'll see coming soon is a worship series on, a two-fold worship series on hospitality, which in a sense is, uh, uh, Sonia used this phrase yesterday and I told her, she said, radical hospitality. I said, whenever you put the word radical in front of something, it just sounds like really intense and really amazing and super spiritual. But it's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about radical hospitality and worship. And normally, we don't think of hospitality and worship as being something that come together. But this is really the two uh, impulses of Christ in us that we, we show hospitality as a way of welcoming people in love. Any kind of welcoming and love is hospitality and then we worship God we honor him not with just our singing but with our lives so we're going to have this dual path sermon series soon in the year on hospitality and worship Uh, we also are going to be looking at some aspects of the life of Jesus and in that time of the life of Jesus we're going to be looking at intimacy submission when we talk about obedience I know the hairs on the back of your neck might come up but we're talking about the kind of obedience that looks like resting Not the kind of obedience that looks like striving. A relational obedience. A relational, uh, beautiful, loving obedience. The kind kind where, uh, you know, I remember growing up and my dad, my dad, uh, one of his great traits is that he's just truly a servant. And I remember being uh, on the couch on a Saturday morning, being super lazy, watching cartoons. And my dad had made us pancakes. And I was like, hey, dad, would you get me a glass of milk? And he said, sure, son, I'll get you a glass of milk. And I'm like five or six, and I remember thinking, why is he getting me a glass of milk? He just made pancakes, and I'm watching TV, doing nothing. Oh, well. (laughs) I'm excited about this glass of milk. But it hit me. It hit me. He joyfully served me when I should have been serving him. You know, that's a picture of Christ. That's a picture of doing something. He wasn't, I mean, think about it this way. He wasn't being obedient the way we think of it. But he was submitting to my call, to my request, to my ask. Not even a need, just a whim. 
joyfully, happily. He did it in a way that made me feel loved. That's the kind of obedience that we're going to be talking about this year. The kind that makes you happy to do it. Um, I think part of that is that God is calling us as a church deeper into prayer. And guys, that's going to be individual and it's going to be corporate. It's going to be together. I think, um, you know, one of the markers of our culture is individuality. And it's so easy for us to read the Bible and see individuality everywhere. And it doesn't help that our language doesn't have a plural you. I know in New England you have one. It's called use. Use. Which is actually a very old way in English of saying you plural. Um, but, but we don't have it. So you read your Bible and it says you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we think it's talking about you and me. I mean, in some places it is. But in some places it's saying you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says you, you know, come to the Lord in prayer. But we don't see that it's plural. It's saying you come to the Lord in prayer. Um, you know, I think that God is inviting us and to just remember that, that even though we live in a culture marked by individuality, we live in a kingdom marked by community. And that kingdom culture, that kingdom culture that, that supersedes and overrides the culture of this world, that's the one he wants us to live in. That's when he, when he says things like, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's inviting us to live out of the culture of heaven. And we're over here just living out of the culture of the world. So we're going to take some time this year to remind ourselves. It's, and I think that's probably going to be something we try to intersperse. Now, by the way, there's a little confession. Um, it is illegal to do what I'm about to tell you that we do. So don't tell anybody. Okay? There is this thing called copyright. Have you heard of this? Someone can write a song, and then if you play it in your church, you're not allowed to change it. Guys, our church, our church musicians, they're writing a lot of songs about I and me, and we change them to us and we. Even today, we're singing a song that's changed from I and me to us and we. We're going to sing in a minute. We're going to keep doing stuff like that, but we're also going to be a little more obvious about it. We're going to remind ourselves, hey, we're in this together. You're not in this alone. Now, that is a beautiful benefit, but it's also an obligation. It's beautiful and it's scary. It's scary in a world where everyone lives their own life. Guys, what would you do if someone at church just knocked on your door at 3.30 in the afternoon? Some of us would open the door. Some of us would pretend not to be home. <laughs> I hope not. I'm being maybe a little hyperbolic, but you know, these are the things or what if they showed up at your door and you answered it and they needed money? But my friends, what would you do if you needed money and you knew that you could go knock on your church brother or sister's door and get some help? I mean, and, and Paul alluded to this. The time may not be far off when the security that we've experienced in this country is not what we experience going forward. Hospitality in that sense is as much a necessity to our livelihood and our existence 
as it was 2,000 years ago when people wandered in the desert and if they didn't come upon someone who would give them a meal, they would die in the wasteland. Folks, we will die in the wasteland without one another. These are the themes that God's calling us to. Rest, trust, surrender. Mm, I like this one. We want to be known as a storytelling community. Guys, stories are powerful things. I taught a class on engaging culture in the high school group at the girls' homeschool co-op in Weston. And one of the things that we talked about is that uh, a culture, among other things, is a collection of stories. And for us, those stories become reality. And so it can be your personal culture, like your personal culture could be the story that you're taken advantage of and there's nothing you can do about it. Or our collective culture could be that we need to uh, do everything on our own because no one else can be trusted. But there's a different story out there. And you're sharing stories today and pinning them up on that board helps us to become a storytelling church that tells the real stories, the God stories, the truth stories, the hope stories, the stories that are filled with the, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the love of God. We want to be a storytelling community. And then, guys, I don't know, I, I, want you, I want to invite you to literally do this. Look around for a minute. Look around this room. Some of you know more people than others in this room. But I want you to look at faces, and I want you to, to think for a second, what's, what, um, what is that person going through this morning? Do it again. Look around. What is that person going through this morning? What is that person? Some of you know, some of you don't. But I know, I know a lot of what you're going through this morning. And it's heavy stuff. It's hard. Some of it's relational, and some of it's physical, some of it's emotional. All of it's spiritual. And I think God is saying to us, we think God is saying to us, there's more. There's more healing. There's more restoration. There's more growth. There's more miracles. There's more hope. We will not rest content when God has not given us everything he intends to give us. Guys, do not settle for less than everything the Lord has for you. But all these challenges that we face collectively, these are opportunities for God to move. Um, I, think you, I think you alluded to it, and I think, Paul, you alluded to it. There's a, I think you used the phrase um, uh, that he's shaping us, but what did you say? Do you remember? Uh, yeah. It was the, the concept that, that God uses these times to, to kind of temper us, yeah. And um, I think yesterday, maybe you alluded to, you know, you, you temper this steel so that it's stronger and it can do greater things. God's using this time to make us stronger. But here's the deal. If you, if you put that, that thing in the fire, that steel in the fire, and the steel says, no, I want out of here, then it ends up a ruined piece of steel. It doesn't end up greater than it was. You've got to let it go through the whole process. And then it comes out the other side strong 
useful, effective, powerful. And I think of a sword, you know, sharp and ready for battle. Guys, God wants to make us ready for battle. And because of that, he's not going to leave us where we are. So the Lord is saying, I believe this year, that he's got something deeper for us. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what we came away with yesterday. That's going to turn into things like events and programs and opportunities to serve and opportunities to receive. All those things are going to come out of that. So I'm thinking it's likely that, for example, we'll have a prayer conference again. We used to do a prayer conference in the fall. I think it's time to bring that back uh, and to take some of the lessons we've learned and then share them with one another and others outside our church. Uh, it's going to look like sermon series. I mentioned a couple already. Uh, it's going to look like uh, very, very intentional uh, prayer times together beyond what we normally do, but including what we normally do, and bringing some of those, that focus into the time that we have together. Uh, and it's going to mean, uh, for some of you, taking a step in and a step up, not only in your relationship with Jesus, but also in your relationship with the church, uh, not because we want to monopolize you, but because God is calling us into something that's, that's deeper than, than a service you attend calling us in the family. And you know who's going to benefit from that? All of us. All of us. Jesus says, my father is always at work to this very day. And I too am working. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to those whom he is pleased to give it. Church, we sense that the Father is at work and the Son is at work in our midst and the Spirit is at work. So we see what he, what they are doing and we fall in line and we follow them and we will see miracles, amazing things Because the Son gives life to whom He's pleased to give it. Amen? Well, I'm going to invite um, David, could you and Paul get our communion table back up here and give me a little space behind it? We're going to sing a song. We're going to come together in communion to break our fast. Uh, we've got some wonderful soups downstairs. We're not done yet, but I'm just kind of giving you the lay of the land here. We're going to sing a little bit. We're also going to invite you to take a little more time to reflect before we're done today. Um, but I'm just, I'm just kind of amazed. Can you give me a little more space? There we go. Yeah, perfect. Uh, just amazed that God was so pleased to meet us yesterday. And I, I, I believe that for those who are looking, he met you. I, I, I want to hear the stories. 
I'm really curious about what God was doing in your heart, in your mind, in your life this week as you took time to pray and fast. So when we go downstairs, uh, would you do me a huge favor? Would you come tell me a story? And would you share it with someone else of what God was doing this week? Because I want to know. But before we sing again, let's just take a moment to take in a little bit. God, you know, so you've heard me share. You know, I said... Uh, disciple-making church, focus on community and worship, hospitality, um, to be radically hospitable, to go deeper into prayer, to lean into rest and trust and surrender, focus on Jesus, um, to be a storytelling community and to go deeper into healing and growth. Ask the Lord, God, what do you have for me in that little glimpse of the future? Because that's our year ahead. What do you have for me in, in, in that little window into what we're doing and ask him to speak to your heart even this morning because maybe he wants you uh, to receive something of this today maybe he wants you to receive healing today maybe he wants you to to get a sense of your place not only in the world but in the kingdom today so let's pray and I invite you to listen Lord speak to us now Speak to our hearts, Lord. And what do you want to say to us? What is true that you want to say to us because Jesus is the head of the body of the church? What is true that you want to say to us because when we listen, you speak to us? What is true that you want to say to us because, God, we're not asking you to join our work, but we're, we're crying out to you to let us join yours? God, what do you want to say to us about our healing, about our growth? about our worship, about our community. Lord, continue to speak. Church, I'm just going to give you a moment to listen.